Yes, Father God, we thank you that the war has been won by your power, your faithfulness, your goodness, Lord God, and your authority. I thank you, Jesus, that you took each one here that's listening today into the safety of the palm of your hand. Shield us with the shields of God, that the weapons of warfare targeted against us, pointed against us, will not prevail in any way. Cover our bodies our minds, our hearts. We forbid the enemy to do whatever he's planning or thinking of doing to uh, target us, to destroy us, Father, because we are yours and you are our divine shelter and protection. I thank you also, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross for us, no small matter at all, in that you defeated sin and death and the devil who is behind all of it, and you made made it possible for us to be set free. We had been enslaved by sin, and now we have been set free to be restored as the sons and daughters of the Most High God. I thank you for giving us power over all the power of the enemy, that nothing shall by any means discourage or defeat us because you have prevailed. I thank you. You said, whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loose. We bind the powers of darkness. Even today, those that have passively, trying to get our passive agreement to allow them to do what they want to do to us by setting in front of us in plain sight what they're going to do and then causing us to be distracted and not resist them. We forbid that little plot and plan to go forward in Jesus' name. We call it out with the, into the light by the blood of the Lamb and the light of your truth, Lord God. And we thank you also for the divine protection over all of us that no weapon formed against us will prosper or prevail. No word said, deed done, action taken, no plots, insinuations, no attacks of the enemy. Cover our families, those who work for us, pray for us, and love us. Cover and keep each one who has come to us, that listens to this show, that they would be brought up in the fullness of joy, hope, peace, and understanding. Jesus, give us your grace. Cause us to be articulate now. Give us ears to, to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, Father, we ask these things. Amen. 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 Well, here we are in October. Guess what? The month of war, I would say. War. W-A-R. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, today I want to talk about, we're going to talk about something God just put on our hearts kind of over the course of time, but actually this morning. Can a believer in Jesus have a demon? And the second question that kind of goes along with this is, how do I know if I need deliverance? You know, and, and you know, because of the doctrine that we have been enmeshed, immersed, submerged, submerged into all of our lives, the doctrine we believe to be the, the Bible, the, the scripture of God, as presented through the eyes and the lenses of sin, that we have failed to see what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 7, as a matter of fact, I have never heard any preacher preach on it. And in our 20 years of preaching, you probably only preached on that passage maybe one time. And I think, I don't know, that's my memory, which is sometimes off a little bit. You know, the thing is, people don't understand that there's a war going on inside of us. And they can't explain, they can't understand why they're doing the things they don't want to do and that why they're continuing to do the things they hate, why they're caught trying to quit what they cannot stop like every addiction is. And, and they're, they're tangled up in that, and they fi- can't seem to find the answer in the Word of God. And sometimes we talk about somebody that has demons or is demon-possessed, mm-hmm. and you, you can explain how that, that word is used and been misused. But sometimes we think of people, oh, if someone has a demon, they're just totally flipped out crazy. 
like the the demoniac yeah. of Gadara, where he has or a the, legion um, of exorcist demons. He's, movie. he's running around naked, cutting himself with stones, yeah. screaming in the night. That's that's yeah, that's an extreme area, but there are there's still a, a very much a, an activity of the enemy that's not that extreme blatant, yeah. or blatant. Mm-hmm. That and that is, I think, is what we are most concerned about. Those that influence of the demons in our personal lives. Yes, but the enemy has taken the word demon out of the explanation and put the word sin in there because he's trying to make it, flip it back on us being it's our responsibility because we sinned. Well, the reason we sinned is because we believed a lie and the reason we believed a lie is because Satan tricked us, set it up to set us up to believe that lie as an escape or as a solution to the problem he has set up. And so he flips it back and it's us and our problem. So the church has picked up the theme of getting rid of your sin, which is actually a counterfeit gospel. The true gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus never said, you read the gospel, read the, read the, the Sermon on the Mount, read whatever you want that Jesus said. He never once said, you need to get rid of your sin. He, he, he actually said, there's no way you can get rid of your sin. There's no way you can be good enough to get to heaven. One time he said to the lady that was caught in the act of adultery, he said, go and sin no more. Yes, I get it. And everybody, everybody uses that one verse to justify and erase the truth. He said, go and sin no more because the woman was taken in adultery. She had been believing lies about her identity, who she was. And because she believed those lies, she was caught up in this, we don't know. Maybe she was trying to do this just to simply make a living or pay for her, feed her kids. We don't know. But somehow it's go and sin no more. Well, do you want to sin? Bottom line it. Do you really want to sin? If you want to sin, go and sin. Be happy with your sin and don't feel guilty about it. But we're not made by God to feel good about sinning because we're made by God to hate sin. So we recognize there's a war going on between the holiness of God that he's imparted to us and the, the, the and, and are struggling in this snake pit to try to maintain that holiness and that goodness and be tricked and tempted with every lustful demonic thing out there because the enemy is still out there and he's still looking for a way to promote his own life. So there, there are three like, mythological views generally that we that we see out there. Number one, a Christian cannot be demon possessed. We misuse yeah. that word possessed. Yes. And then uh, light and darkness can't be in the same, can't be in the same place. At the same time, which at is a poor analogy and, and it does the, not verify anything about God and Satan because they're always in the same place at the same time because God is everywhere. So where in the world could Satan ever be that God isn't already? So that's a ridiculous, bad argument. And then there's a third argument that Satan is a defeated foe. So we don't really have to. That is partially deal with him. true, but it's not completely yeah. true. Therefore, it's not not true. He is defeated. Yes, in fact, through the blood of Jesus, through the finished work of Jesus Christ, and through our authority, he is defeated. But we have been called by God to enforce that victory of the cross through our words, through our actions, through our declarations. God allows us to work with Him to bring these truths to pass, to bring to bring the gospel forth, to bring victory forth, to set the captives free, to deliver people. That's what he said to do. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Now here's the deal. Um, you can say, well, all the people Jesus prayed for that he cast demons out weren't, weren't believers. Well, we don't know that. They were followers of, of most of them were looking to Jesus. They were coming to Jesus. They were following Jesus, except for maybe one or two that he find he found 
But going back to the word possession, you know, part of the other myth and problem is that we believe possession, we don't know the understanding of that meaning of that word. In English, it has three different meanings, and we use it as one word, but we don't understand there are three different elements to it. To be possessed or possess something is mean you can own something. I possess this scarf. Uh, it can mean you, you occupy something. I, I live in this house. And it can mean uh, to control something. You can possess something through cr- your control. And so to own, to occupy, and to control are not the same things. Now, we can be owned by Jesus Christ, which means we're saved, bought, and paid for by the blood of the Lamb. We've accepted that transaction. He's living in our house. We're with him. He's with us. We're saved. But the sanctification process, which is the second step, is to clean the house. That means to get out the rat nest, the, the strongholds, the lies, the belief systems, the body of death operating software. Get all that stuff cleared out of our soul so that our spirit will have full control through God's spirit, bearing witness with our spirit to what's going on in our life. The word possess there is, like I said, there's many different degrees of that. A better word there, and I think if you go back to the original language there, the best word for that is demonized. Mm-hmm. And there's there's the influence of demons. Um, and it can be well, every temptation, in a wide variety every, of degrees. Every temptation that Satan puts in your mind or your heart is the enemy trying to control you, trying to persuade you to do something contrary to who you are, contrary to the truth of God's word. What about somebody says, it's just my flesh? Well, yeah, and Satan wants us to get us to hate the flesh. And <laughs> Paul talks about the flesh. He says, in my flesh dwells in my dwells no good thing. Now, so if you go back to the believers, okay, so a lot of times, how do we do? How do we respond to people who are acting inappropriately, sinning? You know, they're supposed to be believers, churchgoers, da, 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 whatever. They don't probably read their Bible very much. They maybe show up for church twice a month. They maybe throw a few bucks in the offering, and they think they're Christians because they believe Jesus died on the cross, and he did, and that's true. But the thing is, they're not being transformed by the truth because they're not. So the the real fruit of most churches, if you want to know what's really going on, Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know them. So look at the fruit in your church that you go to. Are, are they are they doing what God says? Are they moving in miracles and deliverances and healings and, and people growing and, and growing in love and growing in power and freedom? Or are they just maintaining, you know, they go do their Sunday service, they have their liturgy, they have their wonderful worship, and they go to eat lunch, and then they go da, da, do, do it again, da, da, da. And nobody ever really digs deep into the passion and the, and the, for Christ and, the, and the, the concern for the lost. We just go through a lot of motions. And Jesus said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. There's got to be some verification of that intention. And so, but, but when people say, well, you know, that behavior, that, that, was, that was you, you did that, you uh, blasted, you got lost your temper, you uh, threw the vase, you, and you're supposed to be a Christian, and therefore you need to get hold of yourself, you need to stop doing that, you need to stop sinning, you need to be uh, more well-behaved. So, we, so really, most of uh, church life is behavior management, behavior modification. You got to be, you got to do something to be something. Jesus said, no, no, you already are. Now out of being comes the doing. So out of knowing who you are, you say, well, wait a minute, the sin that dwells within me, what is Paul talking about? He says, um, can a believer be conver- controlled or oppressed or hindered or set in opposition to himself? Yes. Obviously, all the time, we're, we're set up in opposition to ourselves. Even when we come against, oh, I'm so stupid, I'm never going to make it. What was I thinking? 
you're being tempted to be set up in opposition to yourself to become your own worst enemy so that you will be divided against yourself and your kingdom will not stand. Jesus said, when a stronger man comes against the strong man, he comes to take, divide his house, steal his weapons, take his, his goods. This is not a parable. This was a analogy that Jesus gave us of how it goes in the human life. You have a, you have a house. I have a house. We're give, given lordship over that house. We gave Jesus lordship over us. And so when Satan is trying to dwell there, he is he's butting in. He doesn't belong there. And the demonic spirits are trying to find a house to dwell in. Yeah, that's the whole deal. And basically any kind of an open door, that, you know, there is an invitation to them. You know, any kind of thought. Well, even, they put even, the thoughts even, there. Yeah. Even, the open doors come from the generations. Come, Yeah, that's what I was just going to get into okay. here, that the generational... And there's some people that just deny, and pastors, leaders that deny the fact of generational curses. Well, then you're denying a good share of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And you see, and as you've done, Marjorie, for years and years, you've done thousands of histories of people, generation Literally. curses. And it's obvious that the pattern is there. You can't say, well, I don't believe in generational curses. Everybody's responsible for their own Mm-hmm. their own sin, their own issues and stuff. But there are these patterns that are coming down that have, and some of them go ancient. I mean, go yeah, into an yeah. ancient, we've experienced this where some just go back even centuries right. that have affected people right today. now, today. Well, well, talking about what you just said about being responsible, taking responsibility for your own behavior, that's exactly what Paul is doing in Romans chapter 7. He is saying, he's, he's actually using himself as the material that he's using to discuss a doctrine, he's saying, uh, he's talking about the law. He says, uh, well, for what the, verse 14, 7, 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. I am sold under sin. In other words, I, I was born into sin and slavery. For what I am doing, he's talking about himself, what I am doing, I do not understand. So he's trying to understand what's going on in his own behavior. For what, what I will to do, that means what I want to do, that I don't practice, but what I hate, that I do. So he's looking at himself, he's being honest, he's examining the, the dichotomy, the war, the, the, the struggle that's going on within him, and we have the same, if you look, it would be the same truth for all of us. If you're going to take responsibility, say, I'm doing things I don't want to do, why did I say that? Why did I go there? Why did I have to have that? Why is that so important to me? That isn't what God says, blah, blah, blah. 16. If then I do what I will not to do, in other words, if, I, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, I agree with the law of God that it is good. So why is he disagreeing with, um, with, any, with when not doing the law of God? Why is, he, why is he finding a resistance to doing what he already knows is good? But now, verse 17, is no longer I who do it, but the sin, but sin that dwells in me. He said, oh, see, I told you it was sin. It was his sin all along. He needs to get rid of his sin because it's his sin that's, undermining him and causing him to do what he doesn't want to do. Okay, well, let's just see if that's correct. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. In other words, the want to. I want to be good. I'm made by God to love holiness. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. I can't figure it out. I don't know what to do. And he says, for the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I do not want to do, I practice. So he's saying, the sin that's in me is not me. Because I was built by God to love goodness and righteousness and will to do it. I want to do the good, the right thing. Um, but he says, I see the, uh, that evil, verse 19, evil, the, but I do the evil I want. Uh, I'm sorry. 
I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, in other words, if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil, evil, am I evil? No, I'm good, made by God. Evil is present with me, the one who wills to good. You say, well, yeah, yeah, that evil is your sin. Okay, that's my sin. But why would I want to sin when I'm built by God to want to be good? What is this war all about? He says, for I delight in the law of God. Yes, according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring, dividing, battling, fighting against the law of my mind and bringing me into what? Captivity to the law of sin, the law of sin and death, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? He's not saying, what do I need to do to improve myself? A better Mm self-help book here. Mm -hmm. He's saying, what must I do? Whom He says, do I need to go to a treatment program, another treatment program? Do I need an accountability partner? He says, no. See, the, we, we wear ourselves out putting our jobs in front of ourselves. You got to do this. You got to do that. Go to treatment. Go to this. And it doesn't, it doesn't work because he says this war going on inside of me, in my members, he says, it's coming out of the body of death. The body of death is an actual trans- uh, programming system that's operating inside of us. Well, the whole deal is you think of church life and church teaching for the most part here. It's how do we deal with all how this? How do I, how do I, how do I? How do I? You know, six mm-hmm. steps to this, 10 steps yeah. to this. Yeah. Here, here, how to do this, how to do that. Uh, it's and, all and works. Most, most um, you know, sermons are this way. They're behavior modification. Right? Or most books out there are self mm-hmm. yeah, help. Absolutely. You know, 10 steps to this, five steps to that. All this sort of thing it's is like... utility. So we're in this, we're recognizing this this war, but we're thinking that if we just do the right stuff, yeah, yeah. we can get out of it. Yeah, we, we're recognizing the war, but we're blaming ourselves for the war. Why would I set myself in opposition to myself? Why would I war against myself? Why would I defeat myself by setting myself up purposely to fail? Why would I do that? Am I insane? Or is there something else going on inside of me that's not me that's causing me to do what I don't want to do? That's Romans 7.20. If I am, if, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. He's very clear that there's something going on inside of me. He's not afraid to admit it. There's something, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. I love God. God is faithful. I'm, but I see there's something, thing. Sin is sin is is the outcome of believing a lie. Sin was crouching at the door. Sin is the product, the, the the activity, if you will, of Satan, of the demon, the sin, the lust, the gossip, the confusion, the control, the witchcraft. This is the sin, the behavior of the enemy that's dwelling inside of us. But he's trying to flip it to be our sin because it's coming through our members, through our mouth and and our mind. And so he's flipping it to be me that needs to be dealt with when it needs to be me dealing with the de- the demonic. Yeah, and being delivered, being set free. Right. So another... another well, can I say one thing about that yeah. too? We make an excuse for our behavior. Oh, it's just a bad day. Oh, you know, um, it's just the way I was born. I got out of the bed on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. We're just making excuses rather than dealing with, whoa, what is that spirit in me that's really irritated right now, that's really causing this meanness to come out of my mouth or this... This, this vicious, horrible thought to be in my mind. We got to look at it that way. Another part of this, we got a twofold, and I guess this is the, like what you talk about is the torture rack, right? Where we get pulled mm-hmm. in two directions. Okay, we're getting pulled in this direction of, you know, behavior modification. Mm-hmm. If I do this, do this, do this, 
then I can overcome this. The other part of this is just, it is what it is. In other right. words, I am just a sinner mm-hmm. saved by grace. Well, you know, so in other words, okay, I'm saved, but I'm still in bondage I'm still, to sin. I'm still and I guess being that's the way it's always, and, right. and that's, I guess, always the way it's going to be. So I just kind of, you learn to live with your sin, with, with your sin, with, with your bondage. Yeah. Or, and, you, and you say, well, yeah. and some of the parts of it are saying, well, this is my cross to bear. I mean, I'm suffering like this. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul struggled, I struggle. And mm-hmm. so we're we're in this struggle. We're so internalized. And it's always flipping. We're it's chasing always... our tail. We're looking at our navels and we say, our navels are not good. And, and uh, we don't really get to the point where we're, we're still bound up. We're still trying we're to still be good. We're still bound up and that we never really get out there uh-huh. to bring others into because the Because we're of God. trying so hard to be righteous. We're trying so hard to do what has already been done. Paul uh, recognized what was really going on. And, and yeah, and how many messages have you heard about from pastors, mm-hmm. preachers saying mm-hmm. trying? I can't I, even I, take it anymore. Yeah, I, I can't like, listen people. I can't even take that anymore. And we think, I, I have to stand up and say something. I can't allow that lie to go forward anymore. Yes, I know we sin. I know we sin. We sin because we're tricked and, and, and trapped and betrayed and Satan sets up situations where we have no other options. And yes, we cry out and we fail and we are afraid and we believe lies and we sin. Jesus said, when you sin, confess your sin and repent. Change your mind. Don't do it again because I am here to, for you. But the devil says, no, 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 no. There's no way you're going to get out of this. Another thing, too, is we kind of give ourselves a pat on the back. Or we hate ourselves. Oh yeah, we can give one our, or the other. Uh, we can give ourselves right. We, one or the other. We can give ourselves a pat on the back that somehow God is approving of us, as long as we're trying. As you know what? I'm trying. And that, that therefore, first God's. John, ple- I'm a sinner John. saved by grace. I'm just still in my sin. Well, then why did Jesus come to save us from our sin? And then, as long as I'm trying, God is approving of me. Well, you know what? Following is following. Yeah. Practicing righteousness is practicing righteousness. And it's, it's it, you know what? We are not arrived yet. When you are on a journey, you're not arrived to the destination until you arrive. Until you arrive, you're on the journey. And what you're doing is you're walking, following, moving in that direction. You maybe have setbacks. You may fall in the ditch. You may get a flat tire. You may do all kinds of things. But you're nonetheless following at, uh, after righteousness. And God is, 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 see, this is a battle. And Satan is trying to take us out in that internal war that goes on inside of me. He says, this warring inside of me that keeps him enslaved. In verse 15, Paul is talking about. So he's seeing this slavery. He's saying that, in, you know, all of this, this tangled up mess, he recognizes the utter wretchedness of, of how he's feeling and he calls that mechanism or that programming a body of death. And I believe that was downloaded into our souls at, this, at the Adam and Eve when Adam and Eve sinned. Um, it, but he doesn't recommend or change uh, us. He doesn't say you need to try harder or charge us to try harder to overcome these things. But he says, he goes on to Romans um, 8, there is now therefore no, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh. So the flesh is your old soul software, your mind, will, and emotions that's filled with demons and lusts and, 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 and you know bitterness and unbelief, actually. 
and between the less of the of the flesh and the spirit. The spirit is our spirit that's bearing witness. Uh, God is bearing witness to our spirit. Our spirit is the part of us that is to dominate and to take a leadership over our direction and our decisions. But we can't do that as long as the demonic is acting and operating in us. And that is where the problem is because you are no match for the devil. I am not smart smart to outsmart him. He's slick, he's wily, he's clever. And until you even, his biggest trick is to get you not to believe he's there. I mean, you know, okay, this is just me, my sin. See, you need to try harder. And he can even use your generational stuff to prove that, see, they had it going on. They were doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing. It's all generational curse. No, it's a demonic spirit that's walking through the generations. It's a familiar spirit that is trying to get you to just simply slide into, be familiar with, be okay with the same things that happened in your bloodline. So Jesus wants us to stand up you know, rebuke that, submit to God, rebuke the devil, resist the devil, and he will flee. But you don't resist him if you don't believe it's him. If How do you rebuke yourself? You know, I am going to blame the devil for what's going on in me that's not me, that I don't like about me. And I'm going to say, God, I need deliverance. I need the spirit out of me. I need the spirit of fear, whatever is grumbling, uh, murmuring, unbelief. That's causing me to agree with the enemy that's causing this poverty, this uh, this divisiveness in my relationship, whatever it is. Whatever it is, I'm going to agree with God that this demonic thing that indwells me. You say, well, can every, you know, really? Do we all have demons? Like, wow. Well, let me ask you something. The, the enemy tempts us. You agree with that. There are strongholds. We all talk about strongholds inside. Okay, that's not a problem. Why do we talk about the stronghold and not the one who lives in the stronghold? Anyway. So the, the devil will tempt us. Now, where's your, where does he tempt you? In your mind. Where's your mind? In your body. So he's, he's somehow getting inside of our thoughts, our mind, to bring a, a, a possible temptation, an, an opportunity to take the alternative route than faith. And so we are tempted. into. The, so, so we're all being demonized to the point where we're being tempted and, mm-hmm. and tested in, in you know, these trials and tribulations. But you, you nonetheless don't have to give place to that. You don't have to say, oh, you know, it's my, you know, like you said, my crossfire, it's my fate. I can't give up. I can't do anything different. I have no choices. I can't change. Blah, blah, blah. It's, say, say this instead. Lord, there's, um, I can't of my own self do nothing. And I need deliverance. This thing, this has been running my life. This alcohol, this meth, this bitterness, this depression, this bipolar, this borderline, this mental illness. They label me. And then people speak over you to reinforce the lie. It's your fault. You're mentally ill. Oh, then it's not your fault, you know, but you need a medication. So now we're going to lock you up in a pill, mm-hmm. a pill prison. You know what I'm saying? It's like we can't afford the other prisons, but we'll give you pills and they'll lock you up in another prison that we don't have to pay for, you know, the upkeep and the, you know, whatever. It's all horrible out there. So then we go back. If you recognize that you are doing something you don't want to do, and you're brave and brave and courageous enough to say, this is not me. This is not who I want to be. This is not what I want to do. This is not me. I will not to do this. I do not want to do this. Then you say, okay, Lord, then what is it in, in me that's doing this? That's causing, and you know what? Some of it is so subtle. It's so deceptive. We're so blinded by it. We, we think sometimes our own motivations are from us and we're just going to willpower it, self-improve it, be better, be good. And that's all another trick. And Satan is baiting you on your desire to be good to use your desire to be good to set you up to fail, to fall yeah, And sin. some people are so driven by perfectionism 
Mm-hmm. You know, I have to do, I want to do everything just mm-hmm. right. And maybe their motive is okay. They want to be pleasing to the Lord. They want to they want to be fruitful for the Lord. But you think of the Pharisees and the scribes, what do they do? They tried so hard mm-hmm. to do everything yep. just yep. right uh-huh. that they totally missed the point. And, Jesus, and at yep. the same time, it didn't deal with their 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 life of, of, their real of, issues. of sin, the real issues mm-hmm. in their life. They had religious perfection and minute tithing on mint and anise and, and just you washing know, the uh, washing outsides of, outsides of the, They were so religious, but at the same time, Jesus said, you're like whitewashed graves. Mm-hmm. You're full of dead men's bones. You're like a generation of vipers. vipers. You're mm-hmm. like a, you're a family of snakes. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to do everything to please God just right. But see, the point is when they were so legalistically, religiously trying to please God, pushing the the legalism and the law and the traditions to to its nth degree, it flipped to the other side where they weren't even, you know, being willing to let someone be healed on the Sabbath. Right. So yeah. it's like so hypocritical. How can you say you love God and 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 the, the you know Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man, man for, for the, the Sabbath. Sabbath yeah. That means the Sabbath is here to help us, not us to be beat up by it. And so the enemy has. So here's the deal. We have to know that if your life is going just in a, sp- a circle, just spinning around, spin, spin, spin. I've been there before. I was there last week at this time, da-da-da, going round and round. Then stop and say, Lord Jesus, show me. Deliver me from this body of death. Deliver me from this lie, this demonic spirit. Because the demons, you know, they don't have, they, they don't have a right to be in us, for one thing. And they really cannot be in us unless they're permitted to be in us. And, and they can't really come in unless they're invited. But they were invited, you know, generations ago. And they were never asked to leave until we break the curses of the generations and confess. By the way, the way you break the curses is to identify them, first of all, the patterns of destruction from generation to generation. As you see it, even two, three generations back is enough. Even one generation back and one generation forward makes the line. There's three points that makes the line. Two points make the line. And you see what's going on and you identify it. Then you confess it as sin and abomination because you have to confess it because you didn't do all those things, but people were believing those lies that allowed the enemy to come into their lives to create patterns of death and destruction. And those patterns are so scary, accurate, and there's no coincidences. So the things are the same day, the same time, the same you know, time in a person's life than they were the, the generation before them. It's just crazy. So you confess them and then you repent for your own participation in those things. And then you forgive the people who did those things, believe those lies, were tormented by those familiar spirits. You forgive them. You release them from your judgment. You turn that judgment over to God and you ask God to judge the demons that have messed up your generational bloodline for generations, the familiar spirits, and 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 bring them to the court of heaven, get them judged Forgive the people who are used by the demons. Forgive and release them to God for judgment. Get God in the court of heaven to judge the demons and lock them up. And then go forward in your life free and forgiven. Yeah, we have that authority in the name of Jesus Mm -hmm. to bind and to loose, to to rid ourselves of these things through the power of Jesus. Mm -hmm. We're, we're, We're saying in Jesus' name, according to Jesus' power and character, Jesus, you do it. Lord, you set me free. Yes, amen, because the Bible, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the foundation of that gospel is love, not fear. Fear provokes. Fear says, oh, you've got to do it again. Do it over. God's mad at you. You did something wrong. That's why you're in trouble. Fear is not, you know, you don't 
get saved because you're afraid to go to hell, that you're going to go to hell if you don't accept Jesus. That's not love. That's fear. You, you accept Jesus because you realize he loved you so much that he died on the cross for you and saved you from what you could never save yourself from. And if he wouldn't have done that, you'd be dead and go to hell. So the, the basis of the gospel of good news is love, not fear. And Satan's gospel, as he preaches it in the church about sin and fear and, and get rid of your sin, is a lie. It's bringing forth fruit of anxiety, fear, neurosis, depression, exhaustion, um, bitterness, falling away. Those are not the fruits of righteousness, peace, and joy. So Father God, we thank you for this revelation, Lord God. May it sink deep into our understanding. And may we go and look at the book of Romans chapter 7. May you read it to us as we read it to understand it. Father, get us set free. Unhook us from these albatrosses of sin and accusation and demonic uh, activities in our lives that we refuse to admit, Father God, and set us free. And we bind all activities of the, the enemy that would be pointed and targeted against us, especially in this month of October. We thank you, Lord, for deliverance and freedom. We thank you that we will not participate in the devil's holidays by dressing up, by doing his participating in any way, staging our houses with his garbage. Father, we will not give place to the devil or his objects to allow them to come landing into our lives. We have enough trouble without inviting him in specifically. So Father, we thank you now for wisdom, revelation, peace, joy, truth, and, and freedom. Tell us about your book, Cravings. Okay, Cravings. That's a good one. Right out of Romans chapter 7. Uh, it's, why do I do the things I don't want to do? And it, it's really a good explanation, a very powerful, deep look into not only the chapters in Romans, but the idea of being depraved and the idea of, of treatment and programs. Treatment really doesn't work. Programs really don't work. Power and, and submission to Jesus Christ work. And so Cravings is a book that you can get on um, a PDF or as a download, or you can get on a hard copy. And so that's an awesome um read and i think it'll help people get set free liferecovery.com liferecovery.com and by the way on october 28th we're doing a a conference in the city's new hope again at 9220 um bass lake road uh it's called bewitched bewitched so let's find out what witchcraft is doing to us and how we can resist it god bless you and have a great week i have an emergency what is your location Because there's a war for your soul.